I do have to say, that, that is kind of a, just a blanket men are romantically challenged. My husband is not romantically challenged. I am. So for all the women that are romantically challenged, that applies to you too. <laughs> so, All right. Um, we're just going to open up with uh, Proverbs 18.22. It says this, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And uh, Denise and I, in talking about this weekend with Valentine's Day, decided that we want to do something together. Because um, how many of you don't know relationships, you know, from a man's perspective and a woman's perspective can be very different things. And so I need my better half up here to kind of balance me out because I can get off and be all like, you know, mannish. And um, so we're going to go and do a relationships top 10. We're taking a little tip from David Letterman. And we're going to do our Relationships Top 10 today. Um, I do want to say that this will work with any relationship. This is not just a love relationship, though the context today is obviously more geared toward that being Valentine's Day. And we are certainly not putting ourselves up as experts. Uh, we've been married for 18 years, and probably uh, the first five were very painful, and after that it got better. And it's been better and better ever since. By the time we're 50, we'll probably really be really happy. And, uh, uh, but, you know, these are just things we've learned um, from either observing others or through the mistakes we've made. We certainly don't put ourselves up to be experts, but we do want to try to help in the way that we can. Okay, so if, uh, if you will be with us here. We're gonna and in the relationships top 10 list, number 10. Share yourself and don't pull back. If you've watched David Letterman, you get that. <laughs> right. We were hoping for a sound effect, like, you know, the crashing window sound effect, but we couldn't find it. So just bear with us. Um, you know, the, re- the reality is that relationships, um, it's kind of like the, the old saying you've heard, you know, relationships are like, it's like fellowship. Fellowship is the ship you're on with fellows. Well, relationships are the ship you're on with that you relate on. And uh, it's not always the love boat, right? Sometimes you feel like it's a battleship. And um, the reality is that it's as we share with ourselves that, that we can grow together. And, and that is core in it. The reason it's number 10 is because it's the foundation of everything. It's what you know we used to do when Denise was in Bible school in California. We'd sit and talk on the phone. You know, when she was in El Salvador on a missions trip, though it cost me millions of dollars, we'd sit on the phone. Not quite. <laughs> and we'd talk. And uh, it's a matter of, of not losing that. You've got to keep those connections open. So, number nine. Number nine. Men talk, women listen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm going to jump in on that really quickly. Um, you know, we talk, there's, we, we've, David and I, we, um, I, do, I do a lot of talking. And I do a lot and of I do talking. A lot of and communication is huge in a relationship, in any relationship that we know. But sometimes I say to my husband, I am doing a lot of talking. But, and, and he said, but I'm listening. I said, you're listening, but you're not hearing what I'm saying. And so um, a lot of times we have to just step back and really hear what the other person is saying. 
And, and women, we're so good at this. We're really good at talking in code. Like, um, my birthday's coming up. Yeah. <laughs> and we expect for our husband to know that we want roses on the side of our bed when we wake up in the morning. And we expect for him to know that we wanted that special necklace. And we may have put hints here and there, but we haven't really come right out and said it. And we think to ourselves, if he really loves me, and if he really knows me, he's going to get that for me. And so we uh, set him up for failure because we don't tell him. And I have failed often. And yes, he, yes, I have set him up for failure and he, he, he buys me a book because that's what he likes. And so he buys me what he likes. And then I walk away and I go, you didn't even listen. You haven't even been listening to me. You haven't even been hearing what I've been saying. If I would have just said, you know what, honey, my birthday's coming up, which it is, by the way. And I would really like a Fitbit or an Apple watch next to my flowers on the side of my bed. (laughs) If I would just communicate that to him, I can set him up for success. And then we can be happy that whole entire day instead of me storming around with that book that he, on leadership that he thought was going to be so amazing for me. And um, so that's, that's, my, that's my woman's perspective. Women, set them up for success. Yes. And, um, and then we got to talk. We do have to talk. And I know that, you know, the men in this room, we, we come, we're in an area here where you guys are, you know, you guys are men. I mean, you go out and kill stuff and stuff. <laughs> and um, part of the problem with being men is that we got to be strong. It's a perception of ours. And you can be strong and still be emotional. You can be strong and still be transparent with your wife and talk to her. Strong, the strong silent type will kill a relationship. We have got to talk, and, and we've got to be willing to, to bear that for our wives. It may be uncomfortable. You may, you may feel like the, the skit guy's there. You know, you're romantically challenged. You've got to bear your feelings, even though it stands against everything you are as a man. Do it anyway, because it's the only way to maintain that connection point. You know, Isaiah 1 and 18 says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. And, and there's got to there's gotta be a coming together and a sharing in order for that to be able to happen. And so, that's number nine. I always say um, confrontation isn't a bad word. It's how you confront, how you come with in front of that person and communicate and talk about those things. Communication is huge because one thing that we have found is that the enemy... Um, Satan loves to um, kill that communication. And when he does, I always say lies grow in secret. And so if we're not communicating, we're not eradicating the lie. In other words, if I say something to my husband and he misunderstands it and he doesn't come to me and say, hey, this is what you said, what did you mean by that? If he goes away and just stews about it and thinks about it and never confronts me, never asks me about it, that thought in his mind is going to grow 
and grow, and it can turn into a lie that was never there to begin with. And that can go in any relationship, friendships, family relationships, parent to child, um, co-workers. It's, it's important to communicate. And if he would come to me and say, what did you mean by this? And I could really explain to him, well, this is what I meant. Because sometimes I say things and they, they come across wrong. And Yes. So, like, <laughs> so here, she's, she's in Connecticut this last week and she texts me. And, and it's like, if you ever get a text from my wife, there's generally a lot of exclamation points. And where the exclamation points were in this text, I thought I was getting yelled at. I said, I said, uh, I said why are you explaining these things to me? Are you yelling at me? And she said, no, I'm not yelling at you. I'm an I'm a, a exclamation point abuser, is what she called herself. And, but that little thing, because I could be sitting there, understand, you ever get you know, that text from your wife or your husband and, and you read it? And of course, texting doesn't allow for all the variance of communication. It's just these, you know, just like, it's just a text. And unless you have emojis and everything else to kind of convey more of an emotion, you just are stuck with the text. And the reality, folks, is that that's how life is. Sometimes we're communicating and, and it's not working. You need to make sure that you clarify. Because then you know for sure. If you're getting yelled at, you need to know you're getting yelled at. And why? Because then you can make something different happen so that you don't get yelled at next time because I hate being yelled at. But you got to make sure you understand fully what they're saying, especially men, because we tend to just bottle it up. You girls, we know when something's wrong. She started stomping around the house and, and uh, all that stuff, like Denise talked about with her book. Anyway. All right, let's go on to relationship um, number eight. Prefer the other over yourself. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Core in the Christian message is that we sacrifice for each other. It is, it is what our Lord showed us on the cross and and so many times, we don't do that in the marriage relationship. We get married. You, you sacrifice a lot before you're married. You, hours not sleeping and all the things you did. And then sometimes we get married and we get all relaxed. And uh, we need to make sure that we always prefer the other. We tend to get selfish in marriage. Anyone ever experienced that other than me? Don't raise your hands. Yeah, you don't <laughs> have to. I'll be the only one. Um, but we tend to, we tend to, to be me-focused. And like, now that we're married, now that I've stopped, you know, now that I've already, I've already won you, well, you know, then, then the men start burping in front of you, and, and, uh, and suddenly they're not maybe as sweet or gentle or all these things. And the reality is we just got selfish. We're laying the true person out now, who we are. But we need to always make sure that we prefer doesn't mean you're artificial. doesn't mean you're not real. It does mean that you prefer the other to yourself. You want to say anything? That's good. Okay. We have agreement. You saw it. You guys are all witnesses to this. All right. 
Archie turned off the CD at that point. (laughs) Number seven, time together isn't spent, it's invested. All right. Do you want to read it? Okay. Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 10 says this. My beloved spoke, and he said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. I think when um, David and I first got married, we were told that we couldn't have children. So um, we just went along in our married life, and six months into our marriage, we found out we were pregnant with Gabby. And um, so for all of you that are in in that time, um, my focus, my sole focus became Gabrielle. And I had this... I was t- telling Pastor Glenn about this guilt thing that I have. Uh, welcome home, by the way, both of you. We're so glad you're back safe and sound. Um, they were actually going to do this, and um, I was looking forward to it. So um, we have big shoes to fill. But I remember that my sole focus was Gavrielle, and um, we lived away from family, so I didn't trust anybody to take care of my daughter except for me. And David. And so um, we spent zero time together. And we didn't go on dates because I didn't trust anybody to watch my daughter. I felt obligated. I brought her here. It's my job to take care of her. And then we had two. And then it became, now I have two to take care of. I don't have time to spend with him. He's a grown-up. Take care of yourself. Get over it. And... and um, it did some damage in our relationship because I didn't spend time with him. And in order to develop your relationship and for it to grow, um, I would say for those of you that are married twice as long as us, you know that your relationship is still growing and it's still um, developing and going into different areas. Remember why you liked each other. There's a reason you got married. There was a reason why you, you just couldn't live without each other at some point. So remember why that is, and, and spend time with that person, and reconnect, make it, make it a point. Find a trusted person, ladies, because I know it falls a lot on us, um, our children, and the care of them, and um, reconnect, and remember why you married him. Remember why you came together. Amen. Date nights are good, and uh, we've got lots of youth who need extra money. So hire one (laughs) and go have a date night. Go enjoy each other. All right. So number six. Number six. Recognize what season your relationship is in because they change. Amen. Anyone got an amen for that one out there? All right. That was kind of weak. Ecclesiastes 1 says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And one thing that I think I didn't know coming into marriage was that, that there would be different seasons of marriage. And there's different seasons in relationships. And like, you know, you have the newlywed phase when you first get married, or even before that, you're, you have the courting phase, which is really intense, right? Right? Your emotions are all over the place, and you're, you're feeling all kinds of different things. And like Denise said, you feel like you can't live without this person. Then you have the newlywed phase where you're kind of getting used to each other, and it's growing, and it's getting better. And then, you know, 
sometime in there you probably have children. And the kids phase is a totally different phase. And for us men, I don't know about anyone, I can only speak about me, and, and if, if anyone else felt this way, you know, I, I could use some encouragement. Um, but like, I did feel like I was second, or third, or fifth, or like 986th on the list. Um, and, and I got really hurt with it, I did, and Denise mentioned that last in the last thing, but, but this is the thing, gentlemen, wherever you are, if you're newly married, if you just got a, you know, a kid, or, or if your kids are just young, I want to tell you this, it's, it's a season. It's a season that you're going to go through, but the season will change. And right now, you know, like, I've been, Denise wanted to have uh, babies, like, and we, we, with Mariah, um, she has some health issues and stuff, so we really focused a lot on her, and so we really didn't pursue having kids. And just in the last about two years, I've been kind of teasing my wife, like, hey, you want a baby? And I said no. <laughs> Pastor Glenn has been encouraging him. <laughs> I like that about you, Pastor Glenn. No, I'm just, but you know, she says something interesting. She said, you know what, David? We got four years left with, with Mariah, and then we're free. And the reality is that, that that will be a different phase of life. And, and even as my daughters are maturing now, my wife is able to pay more attention to me, which is, I know it's very selfish, but it's, it's important to me. I married her because I liked her, and I liked her she paid attention to me. And then for like about 10 years, she didn't pay hardly any attention to me. But see, that was a season. And we need to make sure that we understand that seasons change. Because if we think we're going to be stuck in the season forever, like, man, she just isn't the same as she used to be, or he just isn't the same as he used to be, or he's just doing all this stuff, and, and I'm just here cooking his meals and washing his clothes. If that's where we are, and we're, we're just living there, because with the kids, you can't send them back. You know, they didn't come with a receipt. You, you have them. You have to walk through that season together. And you need to make sure that you keep your eyes forward and you keep communication open so that that season passes constructively and you can go on to the next one together, whole, in the relationship that's growing and stronger than it was before. Amen. All right, number five, cherish the others, but don't let them come between you. Psalms 80 and 12 says, Why have you broken down its hedges so that all who pass that way pick its fruit? So there's got to be boundaries in your relationship. You've got to get this down. There's several points in this that I think are important. This is one of them that's really important. You've got to establish boundaries in your relationships. You need to make sure that, that if you're married, this is the relationship that matters most. That's why I love you all and everything. But this is number one, this girl right here. I love my daughters. This one's number one. Because this is a relationship that came through vow. I made a vow to God, and she made a vow to God, and we became one. And whatever other relationships there are in our lives, they are secondary to this one. That includes Parents, which may be hard for some of us. If you're like me, my mother raised me. Her mother raised her. 
very close relationships, adore our parents, adore our mothers particularly, because of the impact they had in our lives. But you know what? When we got married, those relationships became secondary, and you have to protect them. You have to guard those things. You have to establish boundaries and protect this relationship, hear me, even from your children. Because, because if this isn't right, then that won't be right either. My daughters, my daughters learn how to be women and mothers. They learn how to love their husbands by watching us. And if, if we allow for them to encroach on our relationship, then we can ruin the model that they have to see Christ become all that he's supposed to be in their lives and in their relationships. Does that make sense? So you need to protect your relationship all the way around and make sure that you're putting each other, um, maybe not first in the moment, but first. Does that make sense? Overall. Mm-hmm. First overall. Right. Okay. All right, number four, have rules for conflict. <laughs> have rules for conflict. Okay, you ready? So, so, okay, when we have a fight, this is what we want God to say to us as individuals um, who are fighting with our spouse. Deuteronomy 22 through 4 says, when you go to the battle, the priest must go to the soldiers and speak to them and say, men of Israel, listen to me. Today you are going against your enemy in battle. Don't lose courage. Don't be troubled or upset. Don't be afraid of the enemy. (laughs) The Lord your God is going with you to help you to fight against your enemies. He will help you win. That's what we want God to say to us. (laughs) What God really says is love your neighbor as yourself. You've got to have an understanding that when you're going to fight, fight with rules. And we're going to talk a little bit about those rules now. Number three is fight fair. For example, or it, it's fight what you're fighting about only. Um, fighting fair is one thing that uh, I would say probably in our, the first five years he, he had mentioned that it was, it was tough. We didn't fight fair. And it caused a lot of damage. And there are things, you know, he didn't come home when I wanted him to, so I started fighting about that and then more, and I didn't, um, I didn't fight about, again, it goes back to communication. I started picking on, on him about things that he had done way in the past because he didn't come home on time, and I started uh, picking a fight and, and saying things that weren't right or, or fair, um, because I was mad that he didn't come home in time. Instead of me just saying, I'm upset that you didn't come home in time and I felt like you didn't care that I had dinner on the table. That would have probably gone a lot further than you didn't come home and you always do this and back when we were dating, you did this and back when you know, we, we fought about this. And so um, fight what you're fighting about. Keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. Fight about one thing. What, what are you in that fight for? Get that fixed. Address that and progress in it forward. 
Um, and make sure you're fighting about what you're fighting about. Like Denise said, like, even now, I'll, I'll have to, like, there's times when Denise still gets frustrated that I come home late, because I do. I work a lot. I, I, you all think that, you know, you just work on Sunday when you're a preacher. And that's like, this is the easy part. This is the fun stuff. It's all the stuff in between from Monday till Saturday that's messy. And um, sometimes I come home late, and I got to remind myself that the reason she's upset is because she likes me. It's not that she doesn't like me, because that's how we feel. It's that she does like me. And we need to make sure that when we're fighting, we fight about one thing. Because you start, you start pulling out the kitchen sink to whack the guy with, you might win the fight and lose the war. You've got to fight about what you're fighting about. Okay? So it relates with number two. Well, let's read Ephesians 5, 28 okay. through 30. It says, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Amen. Amen. One thing, uh, we were talking about rules for conflict and fighting fair. One rule that we did have, and we had that before we even got married, was we were never going to say the D word in our house. No matter how ugly things got, no matter how bad it got between the two of us, we were never going to use that word. And the reason we know, the Bible talks about our words are, are powerful. There's life and death in the tongue. And when you say those things to your spouse, you're creating an insecurity in them where um, that then becomes a possibility in their thinking. So if you never say that word, it's not even an option. And you just take it off the table right from the get-go. Amen. Number two. Let's go to number two. Number two. Uh, fight honestly not to hurt. This usually cannot be done in anger. So if you're fighting honestly and not to hurt, um, usually those fights have to be done calmly um, and across the table. Which is challenging here. Because, like, okay, so when we first got married, I had a good friend who wasn't able to make the, the, the ceremony. And uh, he had never met Denise. We, had, um, we were pastor friends and never got Denise in the room at the same time as my friend Mike. So, so Mike is there at, uh, at, we're at a gathering, and my wife's with me because we're now married. And he said, uh, hey, man, I heard you got married. I'm like, yeah. You know, and he's from Puerto Rico. And, um, and he, said, he said, which one's your wife? I said, uh, the redhead right, right over there. And he looked at me. He goes, he said, a Mexican and a redhead, man. What are your fights like? I said, worse than you're imagining right now. <laughs> um, with that said, this part, fighting honestly and not to hurt, was challenging naturally. I grew up in a house where fights, that's how you fought. You fought to win the fight. And if that meant pulling out something that 10 years ago you did, well, if that's my trump card, then I'm going to get you with it. And um, it, this is related to really the, the one we just said previously about fighting what you're fighting about only. Um, you've got to make conflict constructive. Hear me on that. Make conflict constructive. 
Because otherwise, conflict will be destructive. But if you make conflict constructive, then you can, you can go forward from a fight in a good way. You need to recognize that, that if, I, if I hurt Denise, it's like what she read there in Ephesians 5, nobody hurts them, their own selves. Not, not on purpose. You don't purposefully hurt yourself. You take care of yourself. And, and so the same way, I can't purposefully hurt Denise. It will hurt me. We're one flesh. We need to recognize we're on the same side and protect each other always. You have to remember who the enemy is. And I, and I go back to in the beginning of our marriage, it, it was tough. We, we both, you know, that whole statement, you complete me. It's the biggest bunch of hoo-ha that's out there. Don't buy that lie. Nobody completes you but Christ. And if he's not completed you, you're half person. So two half people coming into a marriage does not make a whole. It makes two half people. It makes a half relationship. So um, we did come into the marriage with a lot of baggage. And we had gotten into an ultimate fight of all fights. And in case you don't know, we're we're probably a little bit honest (laughs) about ourselves. But um, we got into a huge fight. And as we were in this fight, I remember the Lord started speaking to me and saying, this is exactly where the enemy wants you. And we stopped and I said, David, we're doing exactly what the enemy wants us to do. We're totally feeding into his hands. This, we're not the enemy. He's the enemy. And we have to fight, and we both, at that point, you know, that was a very pivotal point in our relationship when we realized he's not my enemy. I'm not his enemy. The enemy is Satan, and that's who we're fighting against. And so we had to remember that in, in our disagreements from that point forward. And another thing I want to say that words do hurt. Fighting honestly and, and, and fighting about what you want to fight about, but words hurt even when you're away from your spouse. So if I come and I badmouth my husband to others, um, that, that hurts, and that brings division in the marriage, and it brings my husband down. I did that with when we were first married. I kept going to my mother. She was my, my best friend. And um, we lived with our family for the first year, around our family, before we moved. And... Um, one thing you have to remember is, I, I love him, and so I forgive and move on. But my mother... She doesn't love me. <laughs> she still remembers. And it's been 18 years, and she still remembers those things. So it's important to not only um, not use words to hurt in a, in a fight, it's important not to use words behind their back. Because remember, you married that person. So, I don't know, what does that say about you? If you married somebody, that just wasn't all that great. So you have to think about those things too and honor them behind closed doors when they're not there and make them um, look good and protect them and take care of them. Use your words honestly. Got to protect each other, folks. And the last one, discover your love languages. That's it. This is number one. I will tell you this. If one thing saved our marriage, well, if one thing saved our marriage, it was a lot of prayer. (laughs) Prayer. Sweet Jesus. 
Anyway, uh, number two thing was probably this book. This book is by uh, Dr. Gary Chapman. It's called The Five Love Languages. And it is probably, regardless of, of where you are in your relationship, or even if you're unmarried, if you want to understand people better, um, this is an incredible resource. And I would really encourage you to buy it. You can get it on Amazon for like $8.99. I think you can get the Kindle version for like $4.99. They're cheap. But don't get the Kindle. Yeah, I'd prefer you not to get the Kindle. Tell them why. Well, what, what we did was, I'm not even sure how this book came to us, um, but God sent it our way somehow. And we discovered that um, my love, that he breaks it down into five love languages. And most of you probably already know this, and maybe you've even done this here. But um, he breaks it down into to five different ways that you feel loved as a person. And this is good for for your children, it's good for your family members, it's good for friends. Um, there's five. There's physical touch. Um, that's the way you feel loved. Um, quality time, spending time with somebody is how you feel loved. Acts of service, doing something, um, having things done for you. Uh, words of affirmation, and then um, gifts. So there, there are five different things. And I discovered... And it says it in this book. I discovered I was loving. My, my love language is acts of service. I was raised without my father around, so I had to do a lot of things for myself. When I was 14 and 15, we all got jobs early so we could all pitch in and pay for the utility bills and different things like that. So, I mean, early on, I was taking care of myself. So I wanted to come into a marriage and just be taken care of. That was, you know, taking out the trash, him taking my car and getting oil, you know, the oil changed. Those things were, spoke volumes to me. Well, I would do those things for him. I would make sure his laundry was done. I would make sure that his meals were cooked. I would do all these things to take care of him. And he was just like, okay, whatever. That, that's great. His is, was words of affirmation. The way he feels loved by me is to be affirmed verbally. So he was always saying, oh, you're so wonderful. You're so amazing. I just, you're just so beautiful. There's no one like you. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, those things, I didn't need to hear those things. We weren't very verbal like that in my family. So, it, so we were like at this impasse. And when we read this book, I went, I went through it first, I think. And I went through and I highlighted everything that I needed. And all the, and you can have more than one love language. And, um, and then he went through it, and he highlighted what he needed. And then we were like, wow. I, and it was so, it was so interesting. And, and the more I say to him, you're so amazing. You're so wonderful. Your messages were so, the message was so good today. Or you look so handsome today. That builds him up, and he feels totally loved. He started bringing me coffee in bed every morning. It doesn't matter where I'm at in the morning, if I'm stumbling out of bed, or if, I, you know, if I'm brushing my teeth. If he doesn't get to me first, he finds me with my cup of coffee. It's his way of serving me, and it's the way that he makes me feel loved. If you are in any relationship, any friendships, spouses, um, parent to child, get this book. It's going to help you to understand better. This is the thing, and, and this is important. Because in reality, we, how many of you all know that men and women speak different languages? Yeah, I, I need to get a better amen than that. Come on. 
You know that's true. And, um, you know, I mean, and you have to understand that you speak different languages to each other, how you love each other. And this is so important because, like, you know, we got married, you know, it's like I'm speaking English to Denise, telling her I love her. She's speaking, like, like Swahili to me because she's a wild woman. And, um, and it's not working. And I think that so many times, so many times, marriages or relationships, they break because of simply not understanding what the other person is saying and how they're trying to say I love you. I think that right now there's people in this room that maybe you're frustrated with your spouse. Speak their language.